All right. So we, we've, we've had a dream in the life of our church. When, when we planted, um, there was this statistic out that the church is 80% a crowd and 20% of the active church. And so if you have a gathering like this, um, the statistics say that 80% of the people in the life of the church are, are really just attending. And 20% of the church is actively serving, right? And I think the problem with that is we only quantify what's being done inside the building, right? And so serving in children's ministry, serving on the worship team, serving in leadership team, and those kind of things. And so we, we've had a heart from the beginning of, of Restoration LA of turning that statistic on its head, of being that 80% of the church is active, and not necessarily just in the walls. Um, and of course, we want 100% of the church active, but we have to leave room for 20% because people should be coming in the church fresh all the time, right? We see in Acts how daily the church was being added to. Say daily. Daily the church was being added to, meaning new saints were being added to the church. New believers were coming to know Jesus. And so there's always going to be a percentage of people who aren't necessarily serving because they're being trained up for the works of service, as we read in Ephesians 4, right? Um, but you, if you've been here in the life of our church and you, you've, you've come to call this your family, you've come to call this your church, we believe that you should be an active participant in what God is doing through Restoration Los Angeles. And if you believe that, say amen. 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 So that's what I really love. I'm already preaching, so you guys can just relax. This isn't an announcement. Um, so this, I, I love about what's been preached because I, as I asked Steve to minister a couple weeks ago and Vanessa last week, it, it, I, I really just gave them free reign to minister what was on their heart. And there was just this amazing theme of grace. This amazing theme of God taking off of rules and religion and legalism off of us and, and, just, and just placing his, his grace upon us. And, and, and Vanessa reminded us about the love of God, the love that Abba Father has bestowed on us. And that love that, that he has bestowed, on, has bestowed on us actually empowers us into the freedom of the calling that he's called each and every one of us. Can you say amen to that? Look at your neighbor and say, God has called you. God has called you. Not only has he called you, it, it, it isn't like that, that rally call, like, like, yo, and then everyone's like, like, it, no, it, he, the scripture talks about calling us by name. He's called us by name because it's an intimate thing. It's an intimate thing that God has called you by name. He sees you. He knows you. And yes, he has still called you. He has still called you. He's called you uh, with all the baggage. He's called you with all the garbage and the dirtiness and the nonsense. I love something that Vanessa said last week about unmerited favor. Because we, we, we have an active kind of kingdom definition of grace, meaning unmerited favor. What, is, what does that mean? Right? It means you, 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 you've received favor that's been unmerited. But plain English, and I love what Vanessa, she said, God has given you favor even though you don't deserve it. Have you ever seen a bad kid get favored? Doesn't that just rub you the wrong way when a parent, like, like gives favor to a bad kid? Like, don't, don't give that kid nothing. He's acting bad right now. But you know, that's what actually God does to us. God gives us unmerited favor. I'm not saying he blesses your disobedience. He doesn't do that, right? Because God's love language is obedience, But even though you don't deserve it, God has given you favor. Look at your neighbor and say, God's given you favor. Yeah. 
God's given you favor. Have you ever seen a person who just doesn't know his place? Right? Someone who just like goes and sits in a seat that he shouldn't be sitting in. Right? Mikey? What did you say? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever just seen someone who just is it's just unaware that they, they, they don't belong in a certain crowd? Right? And you're like, who's this guy? Right? What is he doing? Right? I, I always, I always um, speak about the thief on the cross. Right? When, when Jesus is dying on the cross and you have the two thieves and the one's cursing Jesus on, on one end and the other one's like, hey, leave this man alone. He's innocent. He says, Lord, remember me when you enter glory. And Jesus says, this day, this day you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine what that scene looked like when that thief, when, 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 when the gates opened and Jesus entered into the kingdom to, to, to ascend back into heaven. I, I picture the movie 300. I'm sure I've shared this with you. Do you remember when 300, when, when young Leonidas, the gates open and he passes all his trials and he walks in and then everyone just bows to him, right? And so there's Jesus in his triumphant victory over death and then there's this guy just standing behind him like walking in with him, right? That is unmerited favor. That is favor that has been given to someone that doesn't deserve it. He did nothing. He did nothing. And yet this day he was with God in heaven. Isn't that amazing? How many of you want that? How many of you know that you have that? You actually have that. This is God giving you unmerited favor. And so on this theme of grace, I just, I just want to share some things with you. Uh, to me, the great equalizer in the new covenant is the Holy Spirit, yes. right? And so we know we have the Old Testament, which, which, which brought forth the law, right? The covenant of the law to where there was rules and regulations that you had to keep in order to stay in right standing with God. And God is holy. Say God is holy. God is holy and he is set apart. And his law and his commandments and his covenant was holy. There was nothing wrong with the old covenant. The old covenant was pure and holy before God. We need to understand that. And before we come to Jesus, it is that covenant that still reflects as a mirror to us that we have to judge ourselves against. You know why people are afraid to come to God who are in sin? It's because they're actually looking at that mirror of holiness. And God is saying, this is what you must look like in order to have a relationship with me. The thing that most people don't understand is the bridge between that old covenant and that new covenant is Jesus. It was the blood of Christ. It's the cross. And if you've ever seen one of those pictures where there's, there's like, a, like two cliffs and then there's this big drop in the middle. And there's, there's no way to pass, right? And so we see the old covenant of the law that, 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 that we, were, we couldn't measure ourselves up against, right? We couldn't be perfect. There was nothing we can do to be in right standing with God. So how is it even possible to come to a holy God and feel free and feel whole? What happens between that, that big chasm is you drop the cross. And that cross becomes the bridge to the new covenant, the grace covenant, right? The, the covenant that we experience unmerited favor where God favors us even when we don't deserve it. How many of you are thankful for, for that bridge of the cross, right? And so here, here's the cross now. We're in the new covenant. But what does that mean? 
What does that mean now? What, what, what does that mean that, that we're living in this new covenant and God is forgiving me and all his grace? Everything we sung about this morning, Eliza, the Holy Spirit was totally on that set that you picked because we sung about grace, grace, grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, his amazing grace, right? But now that we have received this grace, what is it? Do we just like just, just, just bathe in his grace and this is all it is? Like we're just, it's just grace, brother, grace. And, 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 and so many times we, we just, we have this thing of we just rest in the grace, but I want us to know there's so much more. Yeah. See, grace doesn't just get us into the game. Grace actually allows us to be the superstar in the game, right? Now, now Jesus is the main focus, but, but God is calling us to different levels in this kingdom. Can you say amen to that? Amen. See, God doesn't want you to just stay at the starting line. Right? And so many times salvation is like the gun goes off, right? And people are just happy, right? The gun, and people are just like, oh, I'm in the race. Man, there's so much more. There's so many people are just hanging out around the starting line. Like just, you know, just setting up coffees and tea and just hanging and eating tacos at the starting line. Like, yes, you're in the race, but man, there's so much down the road for you. And and, and in order to experience that, we just, we had to experience more of the grace of God. But, but don't I have the fullness of God's grace? Absolutely. But how do you step into the fullness of God's grace if you haven't stepped out of the boat in faith? Because how many of you know that grace inside the boat is one thing, grace outside the boat is another? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. And so God is calling us to, to, to these levels of grace that I think the Holy Spirit is actually crucial in those areas of grace that God is calling us to. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. We're, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10, but I wanted to read a few verses with you first. Acts chapter 10, 34, I love this. It says, opening his mouth, Peter said this, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. And really what the, what the, um, what the New Living Translation says, I'm absolutely convinced knowing now that God shows no favoritism. Meaning God will use whoever he chooses to use because he's God. And God doesn't say, oh, I'm going to use you. Not you, though. Oh, you look good. I'll use you. Um, uh, you didn't shave today, dude. I'm not using you. And, oh, you didn't pray enough today. Not going to use you. Oh, you were born and raised in East Los? Nope, not using you. God is no respecter of persons. And this is what the grace covenant is, that God wants to use whoever he wants to use. And it's actually being empowered by the Holy Spirit that takes us to those levels of being used. Right? And so there, there's unmerited favor, which is the grace that is bestowed upon us, that, that God favors us. It's this, this forgiveness grace. It's this, this grace that, that allows us to enter the game. But how many of you know that there's empowering grace? And empowering grace means now, have you ever heard someone say, no, I don't have the grace to do that? Right? Now, sometimes people use that as an excuse, like they just really don't want to do that. Right? Or I don't have the faith to do that. But the grace to do that is like this anointing. When there's a grace that rests upon you to do this, right? Um, Vanessa had been praying for, for extra children after our three were born. And I was just like, I don't have the grace for that. And I really didn't. I didn't have the grace for that. Until God said, oh, boy, here's an extra measure of grace. Here's an extra measure of grace that I'm going to bestow upon you. Because I'm sending you two kids whether you like it or not. 
And that's what happened. There's an extra measure of grace that, that actually empowered me, created more room in my heart uh, for Judah and Mackenzie when they came. And that, that's exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to living in the kingdom, that God wants to give us an extra measure of grace that actually empowers us to get the job done. Are you with me? How many of you want to get the job done for Jesus? So I'm going to take a picture because you guys are all getting signed up right now. All right. Listen, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 says this. And you guys know this portion of scripture. We, we rest on this a lot in, in the life of this church. But the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say that. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Listen. To bring good news to the afflicted, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. What Isaiah was saying is the Lord is now empowering me with his grace through his Holy Spirit to get this job done. Ain't that amazing? And, And there was a time in Isaiah's life where he questioned that. I mean, Isaiah, Joe and I were talking about it before service, and Joe was saying, you know, that, like Isaiah was already working for God. Right? And, and, and yet God still says, who will go for us? Who can we send? Right? And Isaiah could have been like, gosh, Lord, I'm, I'm already doing stuff for you. Like, I'm already working for you. What else can I do for you? Like, come And then he has to search his heart and say, Lord, do I, have, do I have more grace? Can I have an extra measure of grace in this next season? Because if you say that, Lord, then here I am, God, send me. And that was his response. Here I am, Lord, send me, right? And so the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm telling you, when the spirit of the Lord is upon you, there is a sense of grace that rests on your life. I see so many people wrestle with the call. And Vanessa and I have wrestled with the call. We know what that means. But I'm telling you, when you function in grace really is a sign that you stop wrestling with God about your call and you've just accepted it. Saying, okay, God, you're saying it. I don't understand it. I don't know why you'd pick a guy like me. You could have picked anyone, someone more talented, someone more good looking. You could, you could have picked anyone, God, but you've chose me. And when I see people stop wrestling with their call and start functioning in the grace, that's when you really begin to see victory take place in their lives. And how many of you want that victory? I want that victory. So listen, uh, Jesus repeats this portion of scripture in Luke, and I, and I love it because he, he, is, he is speaking in the first person now, right? So, so Isaiah prophetically speaks this thing hundreds and hundreds of years before. Jesus is now going to speak this thing into existence in the New Testament. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? And so Jesus takes this more personal because the word God is out, right? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me is what Isaiah said. And Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's like, my, my father's spirit's on me. Like, I'm carrying my father's spirit, right? Because he anointed me to preach um, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim, listen to this church, the favorable year of the Lord. Ain't that amazing? Ain't that amazing? And that's what, that's what prof- the prophetic life is, is, is you proclaiming the favor of God, words of edification, comfort, and exhortation over people's lives, right? When you proclaim the favorable year of the Lord over people, you do something prophetically in the heavens that just begin to shift atmospheres. Ain't that amazing? 
Has someone ever shared a word with you you just absolutely didn't believe? Right? I mean, someone just shared a prophetic word and you're like, and I'm not saying one of those ones that you knew was not true. I'm just talking about it overwhelmed you like, yeah, I don't know about that one. That's just way too much. Right? I want to declare the favorable year of the Lord over your life. You're like, well, that's great because this year has been hell. But that's actually what grace is. God wants to proclaim the favor, the favor, unmerited favor, the favorable year of the Lord over your life, over my life, over your family's life, over the life of this church. How many of you want to live in that favor? And I listen, church, I'm not preaching a prosperous gospel right now. I'm talking about us staying in the stream of grace that God's called us to. Because when we're functioning in his grace, even though trials come, even though when situations and oppositions come against us, we are still flowing in the flow of grace. And there's no better place to be. So Jesus prophesies this in the first person. And then we read this thing. Um, Joel chapter 2 verse 28 Old Testament says, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Say all mankind. I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, which God's saying, I want to pour my spirit on everyone. So listen to this. So you can read Isaiah and say, well, the favor of the Lord, or or the, uh, the Lord had anointed Isaiah. I don't know how I get to claim that verse. That's Isaiah's verse, right? And then we read, we read Luke and then Jesus says, right, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then we can say, well, that's Jesus. So, of course, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. So I, I actually believe that those verses you and I can take and apply to our life because it's that same anointing that Jesus commissioned his disciples with to go and make disciples and continue, right? That cycle of anointing that God has given. But here actually blankets all the sons and daughters of God. You listening to me? Are you listening to me? Right, so this grace, this anointing, right, I will pour out after this, I'm sorry, it, it will come about after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Say all mankind. So look at your neighbor and say, the Lord wants to pour his spirit out on you. The Lord wants to pour his spirit out on you. And not just, it's not, it's not the spirit, it's Holy Spirit God that God wants to pour out on you. Now, there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see there's refreshings of the Holy Spirit. Any way you want to slice it, the Lord wants to pour out his spirit upon you. Are you willing to allow that outpouring over your life? Because here's the thing I see. When people aren't functioning in grace, and when people aren't functioning empowered by the Spirit, in the spirit realm, in essence, what I see is people walking around with umbrellas. And the Lord is saying, I want to pour out my spirit on you. are like, not me, God. I don't want more responsibility. I don't want to be empowered to do that thing. Surely Ken can do that. Ken's like really spiritual. Ken can do that job, right? You know, on that, on that survey, this survey that we're passing out, uh, we asked a question like, what, what, what do you, it's, here it is. What is your opinion about participating in the life of the church? So it's a multiple choice question. And one of the answers here says, uh, it's only the job for the deacons and the elders. Right? And I think sometimes we see people functioning in the kingdom and we're like, man, that's good for them. But I don't don't do that kind of stuff. It's not me. Really, in essence, what you're doing is you're putting a spiritual umbrella up and saying, Lord, I don't want to be your spirit to be poured out on me like that. 
That, that's for other people. And I'm telling you, what we need to do is we need to close those umbrellas. Get rid of those umbrellas and say, Lord, whatever you have for my life. We sung it this morning. Here's my life, Lord. However you want to pour out your spirit on me, however you want to empower me with your grace, let it be so. Because I want to function in that to the best of my ability. Isn't that amazing? The Lord is calling you right where you're at. Bible talks about why we were still sinners, which means when you were in your darkest, most evil place in disobedience and in complete opposition to God, while you were still in that place, God died for you. He didn't die for the clean. He didn't, he didn't die for the holy. He died for the sinner. For the sinner. And how do we know that? Because the Bible says all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. So anyone who felt like they were holy still needed Jesus to die on a cross. While we were in that place, God showed, showed us unmerited favor. Isn't that an amazing thing? So listen, I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. How many of you old men are dreaming dreams today? Come on now. I'm an old man in this church. Listen, and your young men will see visions. How many of you young men are seeing visions? How many of you young ladies are seeing visions? How many of you older women are having dreams? I mean, the, the spirit of the Lord is wanting to prompt us in our spirit. And I'm telling you, things that happen in the dream world are, are, are just as powerful as in your waking moments. God is doing things in the spirit when you're dreaming. I mean, you guys, you, you can talk to Vanessa about that stuff. She'll help you out. Um, God, God wants to prepare you in your hearts, and he's doing it through dreams and through visions. But the spirit of the Lord is being poured out on all mankind, and we should be saying, yes, Lord. And I love this. This is confirmed again in the New Testament, right? We're like, oh, that's Old Covenant, Old Testament, that kind of stuff. Listen, New Testament, Acts 2, 17. And it shall be in the last days, God says. Say, God says. God. Not man, not Jody. God says. God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. On what? On all mankind. So being confirmed in the New Testament, new covenant, the grace covenant, the better covenant, God is saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all mankind, which means on you. Say me. Because God is pouring his spirit out on you to empower you with the grace to get on with the work of Christ. And somehow, We've put up these, these blocks, these walls, these, we've shackled ourselves to say, I can't do that. Yeah. Surely God hasn't poured out his spirit on me to do something like that, right? God is pouring out his spirit on all mankind. And we read in Acts 10 earlier, which we're going to uh, get back to in a second, that God shows no favoritism. He shows no favoritism. So if you're ever in a position where you're thinking, well, why is God using them and not me? Listen, God chooses no favoritism. I believe the only difference between God using one person versus another is willingness to obey. Can God trust you with the amount of grace that he has bestowed upon you? Because this is what we also know, that when those who are faithful with little, God will give charge over much. And so when you see people functioning in different arenas and doing all these wonderful things for God, it isn't a matter that they're more important to God. It isn't a matter that they're more special. It just probably means they've been a little more faithful with what God has asked them to do. Are you with me? And that's what I want to see in my life. We've talked about that in the last series, right? Faithfulness produces what? 
Fruitfulness, right? So faithfulness produces fruitfulness. And so if you want to walk in the abundance of grace that God has for you, be faithful with the grace that you have today. Be faithful with the grace that you have today. Because I'm telling you, the Lord can increase your measure of grace. Can you say amen to that? All right, now let's turn back to Acts chapter 10. We are going to be in verse 35. And I have about 10 minutes, so I think we're good. Oh, I'm going to read from verse 34, if that's okay. It says, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Right? God shows no favoritism. Look at, look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm God's favorite. Right? And, and this is, I, I actually, have, Vanessa's begin to do this with our kids, and I think it's so funny. She takes our kids, and she tells each of them that they're her favorite. I just, I'll do it. You don't have to correct me. I'm doing it. All right, here we go. So, but she tells them all that. And then she says, but don't tell your brother or sister, right? And so the little ones have a kick out of it because as soon as they hear that, as soon as they talk to the other one, they'll say, mom said I'm her favorite. Like, so like Mackenzie, Chloe will call from, from um, call and, uh, and FaceTime us and then Chloe will say, or Kenzie will tell her, did you know that mom said that I'm her favorite? And then Kenzie, Chloe's like, you're crazy. I'm her favorite, right? Um, but it, it, it's just, it's just a, a, a special fun thing that she does with them. But and Zeke's getting angry. Anyways, um, but here's the thing about it. They are. Each and every one of them is her favorite. And when God sees you, and he sees me, and he sees a person sitting next to you, you're his favorite too. And this is why God shows no favorite. Because Jesus died for each of you equally. The price that was paid for you on the cross was an equal price. And so why he shows no favoritism is because he died for Alma just like he died for Monica. And he died for Linton just like he died for Brian. And so why he can use Brian and not Linton one day is the same reason why he can use Ken and not me the other day. Because God shows no favoritism because he paid for each of us. And as we have this intimate relationship with God, we're all going to come to learn that each of us has unmerited favor. And God whispers in in our ear, you're my favorite. And it's true. And even though he looks at Annette and says the next day, you're my favorite, that's true too. Because that's what the grace of God is. That's what the grace of God is. And, 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 and it's a truth that we wrestle with because there's positions in our mind. There's levels in our mind. And there's, there's, there's hierarchical thinking in our mind. And the Lord wants to break that stuff down, church. Why he can use a church in East L.A., to do the things that God is using us to do is still baffling my mind, but it's what God said he would do from the beginning. Are you with me? It's what God said he would do from the beginning. It's what he did with the 12 men that he picked to turn this world upside down. He went and chose 12 unlearned, which means uneducated, ordinary men. He didn't stand outside the synagogue and just pick the best rabbi students coming out. Like, yeah, I'm going to take that one. Who's the top of the class? Yeah, I want that one. He didn't pick those guys. He picked the 12 unlearned, ordinary men, and those men, empowered by the grace of God, turned this world upside down, or like one of my friends said, right side up. And this is what God wants to do with us. But are we willing to receive that empowering grace to get on with the job that God's called us to do? 
Because most of us are just happy to be in the game. But I'm telling you, God doesn't just want you to be in the game. He wants you to, to, to pick that position that you've been dreaming about. I remember always wanting to be quarterback. I'm not shaped like a quarterback. I'm, shaped more, I'm more shaped like the ball than a quarterback. But, <laughs> but in God's game, I get to be the quarterback if I want to be. Because he, he, he favors me, right? I mean, Zeke, unfortunately, had, had, had the, the, the problem of me always being his coach. And I'm telling you, when, when, when people say you don't favor your kids, that's a lie. I favored this kid. He was, I was a coach. I'm putting him up. Like, that's just, what do you want to play? You want to play that? All right, sorry, kid. You got to pick another position, right? And, 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 and I know that's sad, uh, but that, that's just, just the way it was. But I'm telling you, that's the way God is with us. I feel like that's the way that God is with me. I feel like that's the way that God is with me because I say, Lord, I just want to do it. I want to play the quarterback. All right. You're not built for it, but go ahead. See what happens. Have you ever asked God to be the quarterback? Have you ever asked God to be the pitcher? Have you ever asked God to do that thing that you've been dreaming about? That you would think in your heart, I'd never be that. There's no way I could do that. Have you ever asked God if you could do that one day and just watch him position your life to let you do that one day? Isn't that amazing? I I remember, I might cry when I say it, but I always wanted to be a teacher. I don't know why I wanted to be a teacher. I think I had some really good teachers when I was a kid and in my childhood. It wasn't that easy, so teachers were like a source of comfort for me. And so I always wanted to be one of those cool nice super teachers that made me feel comfortable. I remember one day when we were doing Accelerate. Accelerate's when we had that summer program here at the church for the kids in the summer. And I remember being up here teaching 100 kids all from our community. And I just felt the Lord whisper over me, look at you teaching. Look at you teaching. And so I don't have a teaching degree, and I don't have the credentials to teach kids. Um, but God's grace was over me that day. And I got to play quarterback that day because God said so. And I'm telling you, that's the grace that God wants to bestow on you. That's the grace that God wants to give you. That's the grace that God wants to empower you with this morning. i got to read this to close out. God doesn't show partiality, verse 35. But in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And this is being in right standing with God. And we know being in right standing with God means what? Means salvation. Means accepting Christ in your heart, right? Romans says, says those who confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead will be saved. That's what being in right standing with God. It's not by works that you're put in right standing. It's the blood of Christ, right? Washing the blood that makes you right. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit, say with the Holy Spirit, and with power, say with power, and how he went on doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Say God was with him. 
we are witnesses of all these things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And just really what I wanted to share with you, church, is this grace that God is wanting to bestow on us comes through his Holy Spirit. And listen to this, it comes in power. Grace, part of the grace package isn't just that unmerited favor. It isn't just about breaking the legalism and and, and the religious junk that we carry that I got to do, 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 do in order to be in right standing of God. Yes, that is part of the grace package. The, the unmerited favor, being favored when you don't deserve it, is part of the grace package. But the evolution of that package is now being filled with the Spirit. You are empowered with His grace to get on with the job that He's called you to. And this is what we've seen in Jesus' life. This is what we've seen in the disciples' life. And the revelation of that only comes through, which we just read, listen, church, is through intimacy. It comes through the intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Peter was saying in this passage, he was saying, listen, this, this came because we were witnesses. We were the ones who ate with him and lived with him. We were the ones who, who saw him. He only revealed himself to a small portion of a meaning. We who were in his intimate circle were the ones who were able to receive this, but now we're sharing it with you. And what does that take? That takes intimacy with God. In order for you to share this grace package with the world, you need to have experienced this grace package for yourself. Are you with me? And that's what I love about what has been preached just so organically. I didn't administrate any of that. I said, preach what's on your heart, preach what's on your heart. And I just this morning, I wanted to just put an exclamation mark on that. And if I could, I'm just going to ask you to stand this morning. I believe that the Lord wants to empower each and every one of you this morning through his grace. Each and every one of you. The last thing I'm going to have you tell your neighbor this morning. Say, the Lord wants to empower you. But look, look him in the eye. Don't just say it out into the air. I want you to look at someone in the eye and say, the Lord wants to empower you. Now listen to this. I, would love, I need you to close your eyes. Someone just told you that. Someone just looked in your eye and said, the Lord wants to empower you. This empowering grace that comes through the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to empower you. And I want this to be an emotional response. I want this to be a response of revelation. Everyone's eyes closed. If you believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit is here now. Two or more are gathered. His Spirit is amongst us. If you believe that, the Lord wants to empower you. It's a statement of faith. I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord. I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord. And then in faith, I want you to say this, Lord, empower me. Lord, I receive your grace. I receive your grace today. You favor me, God. You have favored me, and I want to receive. I want to receive all that you have for me. I pray for an extra measure of grace this morning. An extra measure. An extra measure. Overflowing, God. Overflowing. An extra measure. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Empowering grace. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I believe your spirit is here. I believe that your sons and daughters who are raising their hands even now in this moment are saying, yes, Lord, I want more. Yes, Lord, I want more. I receive your grace, your grace that you have for me, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we receive this grace. We receive this grace by the power of your spirit, God. You have anointed each and every one of your sons and daughters. Your spirit has been poured out on all mankind. We receive this grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If, you've, if, you're, if you're receiving that grace right now, I just want you to just begin to thank the Lord. Just begin to thank him. Just begin to say thank you, Lord. Just begin to give him praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's give, give Jesus praise this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. One more thing, if I could just have you close your eyes just for a sense of privacy. I don't know everyone in the room this morning, but I do know Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. If you need salvation of Jesus Christ today, meaning you're, you're not in right standing with God, you know it. It's not, a, it's not a matter of what I think or what I know, it's just between you and the Lord. But the Lord wants to give you an invitation. It's an invitation that's always been there for you to receive the free gift of salvation. It's not by works. I said it a little earlier. It's just you believing. You believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. You accepting that God raised him from the dead. It's repenting from sin and saying, Lord, be the Lord of my life today. If you need to receive salvation this morning, just going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray. I want to lead you through a prayer if, you're, if you need to receive that salvation this morning. Amen. Awesome. I see your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you, if you raise your hand this morning, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I ask forgiveness of my sins. Lord, I turn from, from that old way of living. I'm making about face. And I turn towards you. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I choose this day to live for you. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus praise? Awesome. 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 If you gave your life to the Lord tonight, I'm, or this morning, I'm telling you right now, all heaven is rejoicing. All heaven is rejoicing. So we should be rejoicing this morning. We should be rejoicing this morning. God is so good.